0: Hi, I'm Jared Dufrin, the author of Heart Driven. It's great to be back with you guys today to continue reading the next few chapters in my book. And I wanted to say that I the great thing about Heart Driven is that it's not just a book. To me it's a it's a it's an approach. So when I read scripture before when I read scripture before, writing heart driven and I say writing heart driven, I mean it came from my pursuit of of Christ. It was years of pursuing God and I didn't set out to write a book, but at the end of that I just I really just had such a need to uh to write and eventually from that came heart driven bones of it actually came from a school that I attended for a couple of years. But that's, that was just the kind of the, the theological side. And I actually wrote a, a thesis based on love, God's love. And when I was halfway through my thesis, I realized that this was going to be the book. And so I began to convert my thesis into a book. And here it is. So it took me about six months to write. So that's a little history behind it and um, a couple more years after that worth editing and submitting and finally getting it published and then years later made a few changes and we got it republished again through another publisher um, cfp and um, so anyway here we are today so and so with hard driven once it was written what i realized was it was a different way of now going into a scripture every day so instead of just you know, a lot of people get lost in seminary and they become very just theologically driven and dogmatic about, you know, truth and God and, you know, and, oh, I got to make somebody see something this way and et cetera, et cetera. Well, guys, let's be real. There are so many different schools of thought inside of Christianity and people want to say things are the false gospel because they're not the exact same theology as them. Well, there's only one gospel, okay? And that's the good news of Jesus Christ that he came, died for your sins. You accept that. You receive that. You're born into new life. I mean, that's it. You know, resur- death, burial, resurrection. Some people call it. It's, it's. You know, Romans ten. You know, um, the Romans wrote itself. I mean, it's. You know, that's the gospel. Okay, so Paul says, don't let all these contentions and you know just different theologies, et cetera, basically, um, separate you or cause contentions. You know, God's gonna sort it all out at the end. Uh, I'm not saying that theology doesn't matter, and what you believe about truth doesn't matter. I mean, you, we're all on a on a path, but how can two people who pursue truth end up at different conclusions and both call it per- perfect? Both call it, you know, uh, well now I'm I'm there, and the other person's in error. Well, somebody's wrong, and the other person believes it just as much as you do that they're correct and you're not. So, hey, it, that is what it is. Uh, one thing I do know is that every man I know who genuinely pursued jesus and not theology ended up in the same place and every man today i knew no matter what his background was or his teachings or anything every man i knew that genuinely pursued god he ended up in the same place at the very least he certainly ended up in the same path Um, now sometimes tradition or fear or whatever kept them from 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 Completing it, and he stayed in a place of, of what I would really say was bondage in some sense, um, but when, because he didn't he didn't get there. He, he the Bible says that perfect love casts off all fear, and and if you not, have not yet been ma- made perfect um, in love yet, or if, if you if you if there's still fear there, then God has not finished His work in you. It talks about that in in the book of First um, John, I believe in. And so, we, you know, we get stuck in these theological debates and mindsets, but that's not the point, guys. Again, that's not the point. And that's why I get so worked up about, about people thinking that, you know, um, hey, God, you know, we're, we're supposed to just learn and, and you know, and even Jesus said, you know, the, you, you search for, for life in the scriptures and here I am right in front of you and you can't even see me and you know much scripture even says that much study produces weariness and so you you know you straight to study you're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth as 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 paul told timothy but you know we we at the same time man. we it's love dude it's love and if we miss that then we've missed the point to be able to return to god the same love that he has for us that, that's the point of it all of it right all of it and so i pray you see that and so when i was awesome, and I hope it helps you because when I read scripture now, I think about that. So I don't just think about, well, you know, yeah, sometimes I want to go in there and do a study, but I, I, I think about when I read scripture, and here's the, here's, the, here's the sum of it, right? I realize that when I read scripture now, that what's weightier than, than even the, the words in the page is the heart behind them. And that's what I came to realize about Scripture. That's what matters most. And when you read it that way, it's it's everything because you begin to see the heart of God in Scripture again, which is the point. Okay, and 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 that's what, and, and you begin to to me, you you understand um, his him. You understand him. Period. And so, to be able to know that God's heart-driven and read Scripture from that mindset, it, it really. And when I say heart-driven, again, I'm not just meaning that God is just, is just love and that, you know, he's some kind of pushover God like we see today, people trying to paint him as that accepts everybody based on how they feel and what they think is right and all the stuff that's going on. You know, that, that's not God. He's, he's a sovereign God. He's, he's, a, he's a strong love God, as I call it. Um, but, you know, he's, 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 certainly not, he's certainly not, you know, some pushover God. And so when, when I say that God is heart-driven and i say this to 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 see that when you read scripture i'm not saying that you know he's just some kind of pansy basically uh uh, uh, he's a tough love when he needs to type type jesus and so you you need to understand it when you read scripture but but ultimately when you read it the one thing you need to remember that what he most is is love and that really changes everything when you read scripture even the tough stuff because if you take the sum of the book um here it it really paints that picture of of god as he most wants us to see him as and most wants us to understand him as the sovereignty and all that yes that's that's his that's part of his nature that's part of you know that's that's the the fear of the lord you know all, the, all that respect reverence which we seem to have forgotten in our churches um and and we we sometimes you know just we look we're not called to look like the world guys we're just not called to look like the world um we're we're called to be to be you know carriers of 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 you know strong love just like he you know we're we're called to, to to make tough decisions and do tough things and challenge our our friends and you know raise kids and you know just to 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 be the you know the jesus to them um until they are led by him directly and so we've got to continue to lead people to christ man Um, and i hope you guys see the sum of it all it's um and i even mentioned that i think we read that in the last chapter that it's not it's not just what you know what god is that we're looking at it's it's what he most is um and that's the point of heart driven and that's the sum of it. After years of study and years of seeking him, not, not just study. I want to if I studied a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I sought him more than that, more than that. And that's what also the times of finding my mountain, I call it as I, you know, as Jesus found his and, you know, went to the mountain to, to hear from God and even to be tested and tried. And, um, you know, for me, I took my, my sins and my repentance and all that. I took it with me and, um, went to the mountain. Um, for me, that was, uh, uh a stream um, you know along the along the trail it was a you know a, a backyard creek with a you know with beautiful trees just you know just a place to get lost in and into him and you know taking my heart to him and taking all these truths and, and just settling myself um, inside of all of this this uh, truth that I had gained but but selling myself inside of his arms and allowing him to to it, yes it increased the way I knew him man I loved it it was incredible um, you know but it, it, it also perfected me in his love and I begin to find a love that I cannot even describe um, and that's the love that drives me today that's that's the only thing that I want to 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 help me live and um, I hope when you read heart driven you understand that that's the heart behind this man and um, I wish that all of you could 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 have well this world is busy and it's going to take something I don't know I mean I just just start pursuing God he'll give you money I know you guys need it, and you all, you know, just start pursuing God, man. He'll take care of you. And he, you know, he might not give you the, the house on the hill. Actually, I, I live in a house on the hill right now, and i kind of not sure if I even like it, to be honest with you, because it, the note for the, I mean, our house note's too big. We, we you know, we, we love the view. I'd much rather be living a, a simple life, and that's what we're making decisions now to move back to really quickly, actually. And um, it's just, it's, it's almost too much, man. I, I, I just, you know, just trust in faith live by faith let him give to you you know you you him more than anything and the rest of it is is, is going to be everything you need not everything the world needs but it's everything you need and um when he's more than enough to you it's it's more than enough trust me let's get started with our read so this chapter is entitled love for others it's um again one of my favorite chapters uh, i kind of like them all <laughs> So love for others, I think for this chapter, just to set it up, it's, you know, how do we properly have love for others? Or how do we view others? And there's a couple more chapters that deal with that. Because sometimes people are hard to love, right? It's so important to learn to uh, to view them correctly. And um, this chapter kind of begins a journey of that throughout the book. So, because, again, that's the point, right? So now we're, we went from, okay, well, God is love. I'm called to have that same love and, and offer it uh, now. So now we're looking at how do we offer love to others? So, here we go, this is on uh, page 28 of the CFP version of Heart Driven. We see this pattern of heart-driven love repeated over and over again as we read through the great stories of truth that he has written to us. It was not just with Israel, it was with others as well, individuals that God cared deeply about and longed to reveal himself to and through. In 2 Kings 20, 1-11, through 11, we read the story of King Hezekiah. There, as he lay upon his deathbed, the prophet Isaiah showed up and sealed the death sentence upon him, and it was too much for Hezekiah to bear. Scripture says this, And he turned his face to the wall and prayed to Jehovah, saying, O Jehovah, I pray, O Jehovah, remember now how how I have walked before you in truth and with a sincere heart, and have done good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly with a great weeping. Before Isaiah could even get out of the door, God's heart spoke. And this picks up on 2 Kings 20, verse 5. And he says, Return again and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, So says Jehovah, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of Jehovah. That, that's just incredible, right? I mean, here, Jehovah's the death sentence is certain. And, and, and Jehovah cries out, God says, I got you. And it's just it's the same faithfulness, you know. He offers to to us, and and it's 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 astounding. Um, so continuing, I have seen your tears, perhaps more than anything. That is what speaks to me as I read these words, to know that my God takes notice of my heart and does care about every tear that falls from within. My heart moves His heart. What love is there? Any deeper relationship we can find than this? Is there anything greater than knowing that the one we cry out to in our most desperate hour is indeed the one? actually has the power to do something about it our tears are not in vain he sees everyone and and desires to heal their source that is the heart that we are loved by that is the heart that sets us free i will heal you was god's response i will restore you he cannot stand the sight of one of his faithful children writhing in the agony of of the knowledge of his own death so he came and he rescued and we so often as we so often have seen him do What else did Christ come for if not for the hopeless sorrow of many? For a people, the Gentile, who had no one to cry to, yet wept nonetheless. God couldn't take it. He had to make a way, a way to redemption, a way for all of us to be healed once and for all. Luke 4, 18 says, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. These are the very words Jesus pointed to in acts of his purpose. And when God heals, he does not stop there. His love will not let him. Not only does he want us well, but he also wants us fulfilled. Picking back up in Second Kings chapter 20 verse 6, and I will add fifteen years to your days, and I will deliver you and the city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city for my own sake, from and for my servant David's sake. Not only will I heal you, but I'll add fifteen more years to my life, God says. And oh by the way, I'll also release your release you from your enemies' hands and defend you with my own strength. What better offer could we ever have? It is the offer to each and every one of us, the healing of our hearts, life eternally extended, deliverance from what imprisons us and protection from our enemies. We may do good to ask him for those things now. And Lord, we do thank you for all those things, the offer of Christ that we have to all of us. In Jesus' name. Our tears have within them the power to move the heart of the creator of the universe. I'm sure many of you have experienced that In your own lives I know I have over and over we go through sorrows and times of trouble but he always comes with his comfort just let that soak in for a minute they do not go unnoticed and sometimes what God himself had planned he will relent from it in order to put an end to our suffering is that not what a parent would do for their child is that not the act of a heart not just some engineer now certainly there are many sorrows of many people as we see throughout the world today And often, it may seem like God is indifferent or uninvolved at best. We may have come to the conclusion that God has the bigger plan in mind and doesn't really have the time to worry about all this small stuff. Yet has not action already been taken? Hasn't the healer already extended his hand? What greater restoration could we ever ask for than to have our lives given back to us? All that was lost, and for eternity, being able to know life without walls, the walls of shame, sorrow, pain, and heartache, that is the offer, and for those of us that have been set free, it is that we must tell the world. We, for we are His plan. God has always worked on earth through human beings. We as His disciples minister to the poor, feed the hungry, comfort the broken, and help lead them to their very salvation. That is the love, love working from within us, given to those around us. That is how He heals the world. We are His body. So of course, it's through us that He is now working upon this planet. Maybe we are the ones who are indifferent. These type of stories continue one after another as we read through the books of the Old Testament, books that have been given to us to show the very character and nature of God, to show us that indeed He is heart and that one of His main objectives is offering it to us. So that's the end of Love for Others, which again shows you how God you know, has love for others. And, and, and it kind of starts off, you know, I, I transition into how He loves Others and how we should love others. And, and yes, look, I know there's a lot of people who suffer from a lot of things. And so, my point when it comes to the story there um, with Hezekiah is that God doesn't always physically heal us. I mean, He does. Oh, but the reality of it is, look, He raised Lazarus from the dead. You can't get more healing than that right in our eyes. But Lazarus still died. You know, He's not alive now, right? And so, when God heals us, it's only so that we'll give Him glory. It's only, you know, I know there's many things that go on when it comes to a healing physical factors warfare you know there's there's so many different things that goes on when it comes to healing and god certainly wants to heal us but ultimately he's already he's already healed us and that's the thing we have to we have to understand and latch on to we're already healed right we're, we're, the healing is is it's in the heart right it's, it's it's in the mind it's in the it's in the it's in the soul and that's that's what matters and i hope that all of us realize that look we've got that and i'm not going to go into detail here but i will in the future but look ultimately I have to realize that that man it's great to pray you know for others right and, and we do and that's super important we should intercede fight you know and we should do it now right we should intercede and fight for those who are sick and, and in need and need it absolutely man absolutely but I've been through stuff in my life and know people who have and realize that you have to get to a point where and there's a story behind this with Lazarus and I can and I'll go into detail later on it not today but there's a story with Lazarus that I that I came to place understanding to and realize it. And, and you see with Jesus as he you know he died. Jesus, if you just would have showed up, if you just would have showed up three days, you know, three days ago, this wouldn't have happened. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? And 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 again, we see that, oh well, maybe Jesus was indifferent. You know, did you not care? Your servant's dead. You know, were you indifferent? But yet scripture says that Jesus wept. Right? Jesus wept. Of course he cared, but he knew the only way to show God the absolute. Might and power and glory that he deserved was to let Lazarus die and then raise him up from the dead so that people would believe. And see, God wants to do that for us so often. You know, we have to, that's why we have to hang on to the end and sometimes beyond the end, right? Because when, when God takes over, oh my gosh, right? The miracle happens, the miracle happens, and so we have to get to a point of moving on from God, do something about my situation. And God, please do something with my situation. All the difference. All the difference. Because one heals us. The other one heals the world around us. Is that not what? Not why we are still left here to be willing vessels? Are we truly willing to be a vessel? I went through a year and a half of hell. And, and, and those that know my story, and I'll there's a whole other book coming out that I'll write about it. But those that know the hell I went through, literally, and I use that term, and not, not as a not as a a a, a loose just uh, reference, but I use it as 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 an actual experience what I went through where I was just inundated by the, the, the evil that, that wants to destroy us. And and I'll and I'll explain that more in the future, but man, even through that, I had to finally get to a place where I realized that I, I have to move on from God do something about it, because it went on for a long time. From Africa to 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 America and back, it went on for a long time. But I know that in the end, in the end, it it ended when I exclaimed, "God, do something with this and not about this." And that's my encouragement to you guys. And so I just want to speak to healing. And I, uh, there's a lot of confusion, and there's a lot of there's a lot of look. The enemy has a lot of arrows, you know, on his dartboard, and um, one of his biggest ones is why do sick people Always die, why do people I pray for die and um you know it's it's truth right truth is 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 the is the the freeing factor that that we we need and desire in our lives um irregardless of 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 the flesh, so I hope that sustains you man through whatever you you go through and um you know when that day comes that we all move on so Love you guys, and let's move on here in a second to the next chapter. So this chapter is called Repentance. God loves repentance, genuine repentance, regardless of the time and history that we are in. Why? Because through it, eventually comes His ability to do what He desires most. Give us His love fully. Through it, the relationship is repaired, even if just for the moment. Through it, the way back to communion is restored. Our hearts can now receive His heart. His anger toward our misdeeds subsides he can stop looking at us as foe and see us as friend. Perhaps nowhere is this portrayed better than in his dealings with Nineveh. Nineveh was a city destined for wrath. Their hearts were far from God. So far that God had to send his prophet Jonah to speak the decree of his judgment upon them. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah three four. The sentence seemed certain. The righteous judge had spoken. But wait. Jonah three five. The people believed God. So repentance had come. They cried mightily to God and turned from their evil ways. God's reaction in verse 10, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. He did not do it. Why? Because he saw change of heart. That will always move his. It was sort of like, wow, they actually listened. Now, of course, God already knew what the result would be. So what is his objective here? Why has the story been written? God is showing us a side of himself that he does not want us to miss. A side that shows us that he is more than just a fierce judge of mankind and that our hearts and the decisions we make with them can and do affect his. No man is without hope. No man is ever counted out. This is the side of him that hopes when there would appear to be none and longs for the fulfillment of that hope regardless of his knowledge of the outcome. So how do we make sense of that? After all, his ways are so much higher than ours. Who can know his mind, as Isaiah and Paul said, and also said in Romans? How it all comes together, his heart, his mind, his hope, his knowledge. Can we ever truly understand that here? Probably not, but it sure is worth the effort trying to. It is an awesome thing to have a more complete understanding of who he is revealed to us as we study the deep truths buried within his words. It kind of helps us understand ourselves too, I believe, at, at least in some way. After all, it is his image that we do bear. So what if there was no repentance? What if Nineveh had sneered at the prophet's suggestion of judgment from some far-off God? What if there was no righteous man left, not even one that remained, who would stand up and declare the word of the Lord? Well, we read about it, one of those in cases in Ezekiel 22. And I sought for a man among them who sh- should make a wall for the land and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore, I poured out my in the nation upon them i have consumed them with the fire of my wrath their own way have i recompensed upon their head says the lord thy god evil must be dealt with without the restoration of love his hatred for its adversary must be acted upon we see that here with the nation of israel they had played the harlot yet again and once more god would not stand for it he had to send judgment they left them no choice For not even one was found who would rise up and intercede for him. Not even one was left who could receive his love. So fire came. Punishment ensued. If love has no recipient, the only alternative is its rival. We see that with our enemy, the devil. He has not love. He has not even one one single person to love. Isn't that why he hates us so and hates our God even more? We get to love. God gets to love. But he has no way to it. Denied in every way, return access to what he wants new no wonder he is so bitter no wonder he hates this is why we find him unleashing his vengeance upon us time and time again satan hates because he is bitter god hates because he is righteous and because sin must be judged both are acted upon both often result in destruction but only one has his goal set on eventual life at least for those who will one day take notice repent and reciprocate the love he longs to give here in the book of ezekiel we see those two forces colliding as God's anger is unleashed upon the earth as a result of the wickedness that Satan has caused because of his hatred for all of God's creation. So here you see, obviously, and this is just a commentary, but here, here you see, obviously, um, obviously when we're referring to God's hating, um, there's some references in that to God hating Jacob and Esau, which we'll go into uh, later on. Um, obviously, we know that God doesn't hate anyone, so what he hates is the sin or anything that separates us from the sin, um, Satan hurts the, hates the person himself, right? Um, God hates sin and so God's wrath is wrought is up against sin. And so what he want you know the only again, remember God is a slow to anger God. So if God if God can't get us to repent right and, and can't get us to reciprocate, um, he, he doesn't really have a choice but to to send um, wrath because you know we have to wake up somehow. And so um, we see that so often. Um, and there's some pretty powerful, there's some pretty powerful scriptures there. How, how it says that God searched um, for anyone among them to to stay in the gap, but only be, only then when he could find no one, um, did he have no choice but to send his wrath. And so, it's it's God's last resort. I think we we kind of think sometimes that it's his first plan, or it's like he can't wait to do it basically. But that's not true with his character and nature. So let's move on to. The next chapter and the last chapter we're going to cover today. Hopeless. Consider this for a moment. What if there was no Noah? What if there was no Moses? What if there was no Jesus? Not a single righteous man to stand up and take our place in the gap between us and God. Not one man to calm the anger of a holy God who has no choice but to act upon that anger. Not a single man to perpetuate God's love upon the earth. The thought is unbearable. It must have crossed Paul's mind. Romans chapter seven. O wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Without someone to love, there would be no one to love. Not one of us would be left. That is why God always has his remnant, a set-aside people that he knows will remain faithful. Although he is heart-driven, it is, the, it is his knowledge that keeps his plan intact. Because if he followed his heart alone, he would have pulled the plug on this whole earth project a long time ago. If he had no clue that at least one man would always be there to love, would he had even begun? Would our creation even have ensued had he not known that it would one day end in the complete consummation of his love? After all, again, that is the point. So it is his knowledge that comforts and reassures him in the times when his heart is breaking. That was a small chapter, um, and there's there's some chapters like that in the book. Really small, There's a few of them that are a, lot, a, lot, a little bit larger, especially the heart versus head chapter. But, um, you know, probably the next podcast, we might move it up to four or five different chapters. We're about about a third of the way through the book now, and I hope you guys are enjoying this. And um, I, I can't wait to see you again next time on the Firestarters podcast heart-driven edition. And, again, as always, you guys can... Send us an email um, by, through info at wearefirestarters.com. Please um, subscribe to our um, channels, be it YouTube, CastBox, um, iTunes is soon to come, um, or, or even socially um, online through all the outlets. Um, love you guys. Appreciate you, and can't wait till till next time.